Hi guys, and welcome back to the Spring and Equestrian podcast, and welcome to season two. Um, I'm really excited to bring you guys into this season because I'm integrating interviews, and it's been so amazingly enjoyable for me to communicate and to just connect with everybody in the equestrian industry um, and people from all different walks and facets of the industry. So it's quite the variety, and it's very interesting. I hope you guys enjoy this content, and if you want to be part of it, you can email me at springandequestrian at gmail.com because I want to keep this really community level. Everybody has a story to tell, and we can learn something from each other. So don't hesitate. If you're looking for new material or new updates, my website springanek.com will always have those. And without further ado, let's get into season two. Hi guys, welcome back to the Spring and Equestrian podcast. Today I am interviewing Taylor Avon. She is the owner of Avant Adventure Stables, and she recently became a professional rider. Um, She also has her own online tack business called One Click Tack for high-end used tack items. Um, And I'm really excited to do this interview today. I have so many questions for you, but thank you for doing this. I wanted to maybe start off with how you got your start in horses and kind of your background your riding background in general and where kind of how that has taken you to where you are now. Yeah. So um, my mom actually rode competitively as a kid. And then when she had my sister and I, she obviously got us into it to continue the passion. Um, And then from there, like she more rode dressage. She did do a bit of hunter stuff. So um, our first pony I guess was uh, a Welsh pony that she did like the line classes and stuff on so we'd more like do like the fair stop to kind of start off with like as uh, toddlers and then we uh, slowly merged over to like the hunters we wanted to try eventing so we did that a bit too and then <laughs> eventually kind of just like fell back into uh, the hunter world and just kind of stayed there um, and that's kind of where it got more serious. I've always been very competitive. Like my, uh, my dad is very, very competitive. So that kind of, I guess that's where my sister and I get it from. So yeah, we were able to. Awesome. So growing up, then I assume you started off on a pony, but then did you guys get to own your own horses or ponies as you were growing up and then show those horses or ponies competitively? Yeah. So my mom, um, had kept her, like original horse that she had bought when she was 17. So she bought it as a two year old. So like we had it up until it passed away at like 30 or something Aww, ridiculous. That's awesome. Uh, and then she, I guess had purchased like our pony, like as a six month old, I think. Um, and then kind of like just started getting it going and everything. And then we just kind of started going with that. Um, and then we kind of just like slowly started building up like what we were getting, I guess. Like we, my parents thing was more, uh, like the safe types like we showed Trillium and like the fairs and like that kind of stuff like growing up um and then it wasn't until like I got to a point where I was winning everything on the Trillium circuit that we're like okay there's not really a whole lot left to do here as far as like the hunters go um so like let's go for the A's and then it kind of was going pretty well there and then I just kind of kept going with it and uh yeah I guess that's how it got now. Yeah. So did your mom ever have a facility or did you guys always board horses out and how did that work? Yeah. So we, uh, we first started off boarding out cause we only had 
the two <laughs> to start off with. Um, and then with my dad's business, like he has a lot of like transport trucks and big rigs and stuff like that and like heavy equipment. So we needed the space. Um, so I would say probably over 15 years ago, they purchased the farm that we currently have right now. Um, and then like, as my sister and I kind of got, uh, I guess more competitive and at different levels, cause she's four years older than me. So if you think like as a kid, she would of course grow faster than I would. Um, so she needed a horse before I did. And then I kind of finished off with the ponies and then we kind of just went from there. But, um, yeah, so they purchased the farm. We renovated it. It was an old cow barn. Um, so we just renovated to have six stalls in there, like put in the arena, uh, just an outdoor for right now. Like there's a flat grass area as well. Um, and then we kind of just went from there and then kept our retired horses. And I went, I'd say it wasn't until I started leasing um, my three foot hunter that I got kind of really serious as far as like the business side of it, like how many horses we had here and kind of like switched it around to be more of like a training silly than like a, a hobby farm. Okay. That's, that's awesome. I mean, and it's every kid's dream to have horses at home, but um, <laughs> I wonder then, so was it something where you kind of transitioned into like having horses in for training at your own place there? Is that kind of how this started or was it something that you went out and did? Yeah. So like, as far as the leasing, like that's kind of more, again, where it started for me. Um, I was very against selling my horse. Um, I think when I first started leasing him, I was probably seven, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there. And I was like, Oh, this is my baby. You know, like I, I bought him as a three-year-old and I'm like, I didn't I just want to let go of him. Like I can't, I can't do it. So I ended up just leasing him. Um, and then kind of like through the end of my junior career, like I continued with my own competitive ride, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the horse that I had at that time wasn't really working out for what I wanted to do either. Um, that was when I had switched to start riding with Aaron Ballard and the horse just wasn't kind of working out to be like Grand Prix prospect, which I feel like everyone wants one of those. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't, it just wasn't working out with that one. So I ended up losing out that one as well. And I kind of started growing from there. So I kept my amateur status up until this year. So they've been leasing for about six or seven years now. Um, but it was kind of all just through my own personal connections and going that route. Um, so yeah, everything I've had so far has been like what I've personally owned and invested into. Okay. So when you initially said leasing, I thought I took it as you were leasing a horse, but what you were doing was you would essentially like bring up your own personal horses. And then eventually when you weren't using them for something, then you would lease them out. And that's kind of how it started. Okay. Yeah. So, um, is that kind of the extent of the business or has it been, um, I guess at this point you're, just diving into like being a professional and what does that look like now? Like, are you looking for a facility or do you have something like that? And what kind of, I guess, as this has now changed this year <laughs> and with the COVID, um, I know that that we'll just pretend that that's not quite there, <laughs> but what was the initial intent with, okay, like I'm going to go professional now and do this as a business. Um, I just had a lot of fun do, like riding for other people. Like I've always really enjoyed catch riding. A lot of my previous trainers like, oh, you know, like your amateur status 
is great. So for example, like with my, my Grand Prix horse, because he obviously had experience, um, like he showed up to, I think it was two star when I bought him. Um, so it was like, I was able to essentially like make errors and stuff, I guess on that one. And I feel like I've just lost my complete train of thought. We were talking about kind of how it got from your move from the amateur to the professional and then like what you're hoping to do then in terms of being like, no, that's okay. Go ahead. So going, um, I guess to Ohio is where I was eventually going to get to with that. Okay. Um, a few of like my resources, one of them, for example, is down in, uh, in Michigan right now. And I've known that trainer for a few years and her catch rider had bailed last minute. And she's like, Oh, do you mind like helping me out? I'm like, yeah, I still have my amateur status. So like, you got like she wanted to pay me and stuff like this. You can't do that. I'm happy to do it. Like, it's just, it's more exposure for me. So it's yeah. fine. Like it's all good. Um, and then I just had so much fun doing it. I'm like, okay, like I feel like I'm, I'm obviously I'm not at like an Olympic training level or I've been winning like three star Grand Prix or anything like that. But I'm like, I feel like I know enough to be able to take on like hunters and yeah. kind of start going that route and, and starting to grow a bit in a different aspect um, and expanding the business. Cause I have had a lot of roadblocks with trying to grow um, within the amateur status restrictions. So my plan originally was um, in April to start renting a facility. Um, like my parents' facility, we don't have an indoor here. So the past couple of years, what I've been doing is doing dry stalls um, and then just kind of taking in my personal horses and like the, obviously with the lease horses and stuff like that. Um, and then getting them prepared as they go out and just kind of keep bringing like one at a time. Yeah. And the number of stalls that I had um, to try and make that work. So my plan essentially was going to be in April, start renting a facility, accepting clients. Um, I feel like a lot of uh, professionals or young professionals, like they would prefer to just do like sale horses. Obviously that would be like the most ideal thing. Um, so that was my plan. Uh, but then, you know, with COVID that got kiboshed. Yeah. Um, but I still plan to go ahead with doing that in the fall. Um, I have a limited like available space at the home farm here. So I'm just trying to make what I can work um, with the space that I have. And of course, like with the restrictions right now with how many people can come in. Because um, like I said, I, st I still have, I think it's two or three lease horses that I can get out right now. Um, and I have one sale horse that just came in as well. So I'm just trying to manage all that with everything that's going on. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. Um, and so ideally you would like to kind of take on, um, like an agent role and trainer type more so than like actually taking on clients. Cause I don't, uh, you obviously have maybe like taught here and there, not for money or maybe not, but that's probably, is that the direction you were going or were you looking for more like bringing horses in, doing some of your own investments and trying to get those moved and also doing like sales horses and commissions and stuff? Yeah. I think like, ideally I'd love to have kind of like a show facility set up with, uh, with sale horses and lease horses would be preferred or young horses. I really enjoy working on the young horses um, it's very, very rewarding doing those. Um, but realistically, at the end of the day, like I know that a big part of it is taking and training clients as well. So I'm prepared to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
like I said, of course you kind of have to, especially when you're starting up, kind of more do things to like get the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Profitability. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that's, no, that's great. And so just to quickly go back to your showing experience. So you're, other than right now, actively competing. Um, that's the, like on the A circuit. And then I know that you mentioned Ohio. Do you travel to Florida? Like, how does that, how does your kind of year season work in terms of shows? Yeah. So it's kind of been like in the past couple of years, it's been growing. So until again, I got my Grand Prix horse, um, I never, like, I of course wanted to go show in the States, but I'm like, you know, until I really have a horse that makes it, worthwhile to go then I just kind of would stay here and do the Ontario circuit generally I would do uh, like Paul Graves and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then yeah as I was able to start doing Grand Prix and higher level classes and stuff like that I'm like okay so we started going off to Ohio my my previous coach Neil Badcock would always kind of do that circuit like once the World Equestrian Center opened up so I started going down um and doing that with them um so that's it's it's a fantastic facility like it's very very well run like I there's not really many other shows I would want to go to as much as there like they they really make it a fantastic atmosphere and fun so um yeah so that was my plan all winter was supposed to be down there um and then I was going to try and do some meter 50 classes this year with my Grand Prix horse he is getting older so I just kind of want to have one final season um at some bigger facilities like out in uh out in the states so i want to do like traverse city uh kentucky and uh vermont as well so that was going to be my plan this year yeah a bit for the Bosch. um and then so that's kind of gonna be my plan with essentially like ontario for the summer with some um some away shows into the states again it's just going to kind of depend on what's in of course expanding the business it also has to come down to what the clients would want so once that gets to a point it's do they want to go do they want to spend the u.s money or do they want to stay here so yeah that would be something to be considered going into the future as well um but if it was just for me personally i would probably continue doing that like a few shows here depending on what horses i have young horses um sale horses for sure show ontario to start with and then as we get closer to the fall winter pick out which ones make more sense financially again with the U S dollar to go down to the States for the winter. Yeah. Uh, I don't really do Florida. Um, I went, I think when I was like 13 or 14 with one of my friends, like she went down for the circuit and nothing against Florida. It's just so damn expensive. Yeah. No, it's, it's a huge undertaking to do that. Yeah, so uh, Ohio, like, WAC actually announced uh, this thing I know. that they aren't going to be running so much. I'm like, I know. Oh, I'm doing <laughs> and it's, it's funny because everyone that I've talked to says it's like the best place to be, and even for the young horses and stuff. Like, I've heard nothing oh, yeah. but good things. So I was uh, excited to get clients there in the fall, maybe. And we were all like, okay, like, let's actually pull the trigger and do it. And then they announced that they weren't going to be running shows till next year, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, so that another question, I guess, is so you, did you go to school after you went to high school? No. Okay. No, I, want, I was going to go to school for, uh, for nursing. But I knew that was like my um, my grandma and my aunt are both nurses, or my grandma was. Um, 
But just like knowing obviously how much schoolwork and stuff goes into that, like I knew I'd have to make a choice between riding or successfully like doing my education to get that degree. Um, But again, it was just like kind of at a point in my life where I wasn't really ready to not do the horses. And I think I'd like to do this realistically. Worst comes to worst. I get some life experience learning different forms of business, I guess, and um, interactions. And then if it's not working out, um, go back to school. There's no, no problem with that being yeah. older. So, yeah. So that being said, if you don't mind my asking what, yeah. like, did your parents help kind of fund the competitions as you were younger? And that's kind of how yeah. it's went. Or did you ever, did you do something other than horses and kind of try to make it financially feasible that way? Or what kind of has that looked like for you? Yeah. So my parents, of course, like as a, as a kid, uh, have like, they for sure helped out with showing and stuff and they purchased the horses or like our horses at the time. Um, and then like they, I'm trying to think how like where this probably, so like, obviously like with the farm, like they've invested a ton into this facility. Like obviously they purchased the facility, they did all the renovations. Um, my dad is very good about keeping up with the maintenance and not like he'll like redo the footing like it's nothing special like what we have here yeah uh like footing wise and stuff like that but he's very good like with doing that and making sure that like the barn and everything is in as safe as possible um so they're very good that way um and then i mean realistically at the end of the day i am 25 so like sure there's still like it's still a lot right yeah to be having multiple businesses, multiple horses showing stuff like that. So if I get into a position where I'm like, okay, you know, like here's my plan. I'd really like to execute it. Is there a way we can maybe like look at this together yeah. as like investment route? Um, Cause like my thing with showing in the States too, is it's, it's exposure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as like marketing goes for like the, the business to get known or the horses to get seen, like, certain things like that. Like I, I'd rather ask for help if it's needed. Yeah. Um, to, to have like an overall better, I guess, result for the business. And yeah. Stuff, so. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. So I wonder, so have you found that like you, um, kind of leasing out horses has helped you make new investments with like new horses? Is that kind of Absolutely. how the turnover happens for you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like uh, one of the big benefits I have here is like, I've I've told quite a few people this, like realistically, if my parents didn't have this facility where I could bring my horses back and just do things for cost, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I'm very lucky that way. Like if I get someone came back injured off of a lease, then they can just sit here. Whereas there's been plenty of people that have kind of like asked my opinion, um, about leasing, but they're like, the, at the end of the day, I'm like, you have to realize if you don't have a place to put these horses, then you're going to spend board on two if one does come back broken or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it just has to be something to plan and justify. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, the horses that I've had, I've been very lucky that I've been able to kind of do, like, slow return on investments as far as, like, flipping, yeah. buying something kind of, like, myself, seeing if it works, and if it doesn't, then I can kind of, like, shuffle the funds around to me it work in a specific way yeah. that it still benefits the business in the long run. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And it, it does give 
it is a, it's very expensive in and of itself just to keep them and not have to pay for it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's an awesome op- opportunity. Um, what do you think that like you, uh, bring to the table in terms of like strengths as a writer? And then what is something that's maybe your goal for this year or next or whatnot that you want to really improve on? Um, <laughs> I should probably reflect on a little more. Um, as a writer, um, I'm probably going to jinx myself saying this, but I've, I've been very lucky to ride a lot of like young horses yeah. and unpredictable horses that I can stick to them very well. Yeah. So not, I'm knocking on wood right here for you. Yeah. <laughs> like my Grand Prix horse likes to take off when you get on. So oh no. <laughs> is it like an every time um, thing when you get on um it gets better when he's more tired like right now he's not in as excessive work as he would be like in the west show season the weather's been cool so yeah that makes him feel like he's 18 but he acts like he's four so it's not an all the time thing but in the winter it's a little sketchy <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so I think as, as a rider, that's one of my strengths. Um, I don't know if like determination would necessarily go with that. Like I don't really back down from something too easy. Like so f- as far as young horses go, like I would like to say like I can kind of work with knowing where they're at, like when enough is enough as far as like a baby brain were to go Yeah. Um, versus pushing them too far. Like when it's time to quit, I feel like I can do that well. Um some of my weaknesses, I always ride with a, a broken wrist and it drives me nuts. Or yeah. Like my fingers a little open, drives me nuts, little things like that. Um, I always start too slow to the first round. <laughs> always. <laughs> it's fine. It yeah. Enters, but if you have a meter 45 oxer to start. Yeah. Well, it's good that you know you can tackle it because you're aware. But that's awesome. Always, yeah. Always like sometimes, like if you watch some of my videos, you'll see I'm like going out of the pace, like shh. I'm like going back and trying to be just like, thank God you're scoping, but we're gonna keep going. That's okay. It's it's definitely something that's probably more of a common mistake. It's not something weird, but um. So do you currently have a coach or what has like your coach situation been then for the last year or so? Um, so I was riding previously with, like I said, Neil Badcock um, out of King, Ontario. And then I decided, made the decision to kind of go off on my own. Um, like mid-summer, I think it was like around July. So I kind of just started going off and doing some shows. Like my, my main horse at that time was my Grand Prix horse. And I was kind of started playing. I'm like, okay, I feel like I... I know his program. Um, there are some other shows that I would like to go to. So I started doing, um, going off on my own as far as that went. Um, but then my plan is to start doing uh, more massage training actually with uh, Lindsay Kellogg, who was on the Pan Am team, the gold team um, last year, I think it was. So yeah, my one of my maybe this goes back to my weaknesses as well is just having stronger flat work. Yeah. Um, I think it's extremely important uh, for any discipline to have very good flat work. And especially one of the benefits I've had, I'm kind of rambling on again. No, keep going. I'm 
listing it. Course is so rideable. Yeah. Um, so if you get into a bit more of a technical course, you can kind of see where like hot horses or like horses that aren't as adjustable can get into problems. Um, whereas he's very, very good at like, he has a huge stride, but he can dance super quick. Like if you kind of go into a combination, a little hot downhill, like he'll cut off the ground and like kind of get himself out of the way just because he's, he can compact super, uh, super quickly. Yeah. So I think having horses rideability is a huge thing. So I'm, I'm more focusing again, kind of more right now with the downtime, um, focusing on, on strengthening my horses, uh, flat work with some dressage trainers. That's awesome. So is he kind of your main focus right now? Leroy? Is that who it is? Yeah, Leroy. Okay. That's your grandpa. Uh, yes, and, yes and no. So he, like I said, he's 18. So again, with the COVID, I'm trying to like make a different plan and adjust yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, I was kind of planning to go to uh, WAC to kind of this winter and kind of like finish out this year since like the summer was probably going to be washed. Yeah. Um, as far as getting across the border to go to the States and doing like Traverse City, like I really want to do that one for a couple of weeks, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but now we're closing and again, him being older, it's like, I'm trying to also adjust, like he really seems to feel the temperature, like as, as wild as he can be and act like a four year old, like when it's super, super hot, it definitely affects him. Um, so I definitely don't want to be going into, uh, show season not this winter but next winter and him being pushing 20 yeah so he's kind of just taking it easy right now I'm trying to make a bit of a, a different plan for him like majority of my horses are, are honestly just flatting I'm not a rider that likes to over jump my horses or anything it's more I need the practice to yeah. stay with it um but I like to do like a lot of like grid work and that kind of stuff just to kind of keep them uh toned up yeah and yeah, so right now I'd say like my main one that I'm doing like most of the dressage training with uh, is my six-year-old. Uh, she is a firecracker. I think, is that the one that I messaged you about a while back? Uh, the set, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. so cool though. Oh Thank my gosh. You. She's uh, she, she's very special, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's very, very scopy, very talented. Um and like she, she's, that's one thing I kind of love about her is she is so game. Like you see so many articles and people like top professionals that say, if you have a mare that's on your side, you're, you're in a really good spot. Yeah. And uh, that, that horse really does feel like one of those ones. It's just going to be kind of taming her and yeah. <laughs> bringing her in a little bit. Cause she, uh, <laughs> she likes to do things her way. She's very opinionated. Yeah. So so is that kind of, do you have any other ones that are kind of floating around in your current roster right now at home that you're working with? Or is that the main two? Uh, yeah. So I would say those are ten, like my main two show horses. Um, I do have uh, a new ex-FEI Grand Prix horse that I have, I just uh, got in as a lease horse. Um, so he's more of like a meter, like he's getting older so he um would be best suited for like meter 20 so i ride that one all the time as well um what else do i have i have another one. Oh, uh my broodmare she actually got injured um she was one of my friends uh parents investment horses she got injured and then they didn't think she was gonna make a comeback so they sold her to me um for breeding, but she was extremely difficult to get pregnant in the five years. We only got one baby. Really? Of her. 
Um, but she started jumping out of the paddocks continually. So I got her back into work. And she's been <laughs> completely sound and good for about uh, two years now, but she was off for like six years. Yeah. So she had a lot and had a baby. So she had a lot of weight to lose. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah. So I've been slowly bringing her back. So those are kind of like my main four. And then I, I do have um, a couple of ponies as well, but I have a pony rider that comes to help me with those. That's ones. awesome. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my roster for now. But Leroy and Desenia are like my main main two right now. So outside of, I mean, it's hard to kind of imagine what we we, we would be showing right now. But um, what is your like? Maybe not typical, but if you could make a generally typical day, like from morning to night, what does yeah. that look like for you? Yeah. So I think. Um, Again, just because I'm kind of in a, a new development stage as far as where my business is going, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm very, very hands-on with my horses. Like, I like kind of doing everything myself with them. So, usually, like, the mornings would be, like, go, mock stalls, ride them all, do turnarounds for, like, whoever's not out. If paddock spaces are limited, depending on where I am, which usually it is. Um, and then ride, like, the next bunch, pick stalls feed, grain, be done, go to the gym, potentially. Yeah. Um, not completely wiped out. And then uh, that would kind of be it. Um, but right now, my day, I guess, is kind of kind of similar. Um, I use, I don't sleep too, too well, probably because my brain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm usually up to, uh, at like five or six. And then what I'll do is I'll work like on the computer for like the one click tack uh, business, uh, just kind of figuring out and doing um, inventory or whatever. Hi guys, I'm just going to interrupt here really quickly. If you're listening to this podcast and enjoying the content, specifically the interviews, um, don't forget to go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. You can even subscribe so that you're notified when new podcasts do come out. It helps me get awesome guests and more content for you. And it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. And I'll let you get back to the episode. I do a post for Facebook and Instagram and like all that stuff. Uh, and then I'll go down, feed the horses, turn out muck stalls, ride the few that aren't on uh, at the moment, turn around at noon, ride the others, pick stalls, feed them, go back to the tax store. Okay. That's like ideal general day right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to just figure all that out right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, so how did one click tack? come about like how long have you been doing that what exactly is it um and kind of just tell everybody about that specific business is it's it's like solely online but you must have the inventory for it is that how it works okay yeah so it's uh strictly like high-end uh obviously horse items um so that's actually been an idea that I kind of came up with like six or seven years ago I just didn't particularly know how to kind of get about starting it. Um, my my main idea was actually a classified website, kind of like Big X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when I wanted to do it, all the designers that I kind of spoken to wanted to like $10,000 plus to develop a website. I'm like, okay, well, this is a little ridiculous price point wise. So like, I'll like take that into consideration and like plan for the next couple of years. And then it just seemed like the market got saturated um, with 
classified websites. I'm like, okay, we'll just yeah. put that off. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't really until I think maybe like a year and a half ago, I started like investing, like looking more into the, um, like a tax store version that was kind of like a sister company. I always kind of wanted to do attached to that. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll just do it a little backwards. I'll start with the, the tax store and then we'll see kind of like how that develops. If I want to go forward with the classified site, which I didn't do it. Um, so that is up as well. Um, I just haven't actually advertised it too, too much. So that's a, can you, what, what is up right now? Did you say? Um, so I just launched the one click, Equine, which is the classified. Oh, okay. Okay. It's just a, it's a bit more, it's not as friendly. I would say like, again, going back to like big app where everything just goes up right away. You kind of have to like submit your information and I have to put it up. Um, because again, like every time I've spoken to designers now, it's been a matter of tens to tens of thousands of dollars to make this website where you know, like it's, it's, it's a little bit more simple than yeah. they're leading on. Like I, kind of tinkered around with like my farm website. So I was able to make that. Um, and then one, this is person I follow on uh, Instagram, like they have a, an online store um, and they use Shopify. So I kind of was just like following along with like what they were doing. Yeah. And then just kind of started going from there. Like, okay, like I'll look into it, kind of spend a little bit of money to do like the monthly payment and figure it out. Like I had high items, like it's kind of all I would purchase just to kind of the quality is obviously a lot better than like your generic brands like I find they break down or wear out pretty quickly especially when you have 10 horses yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah so I started kind of going that route and then I just knew like I am lucky that I've made enough connections or not enough but like a fair amount of connections um again through like showing and stuff like that that I was able to kind of like advertise um to friends and stuff like that to see if they had any like excess items that they kind of wanted to sell and kind of go from there and it's uh it's yes yeah, it's, it's been busy so I started that I opened the website about a year ago um it was around May so yeah about a year um and then yeah it's just strictly online um so I have the inventory here that's kind of one of my main things with the store um is I just have to have stuff yeah with me so like if, if clients contact me you know for like more photos or more information or something like that, then, then it's you can do it. To just like kind of go at it, then be contacting people just delays the response time. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. and you said it's busy, so it's like, is it like turning a profit for you? Is that something that you're really excited about? You branched yeah. into the equine, like the actual site now, which I haven't seen yet. Um, so that's why I was wondering what you're talking about, but that's exciting too. And I know yeah. that it's really difficult to make it really user-friendly without getting someone who's really techie able to kind of make yeah. it searchable. Um, but I do think that the classified websites for horses is like got to be on a comeback because we get a lot of limitations now on like Facebook and that kind of stuff as to what we can yeah. and can't post, right? So there's going to be some sort of U-turn where it goes back to to websites rather than just kind of people posting stuff on Facebook, which wasn't a thing when I was younger, but it seems to be a big thing now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I, yeah, like it's, uh, it's interesting because it, it does take more time, uh, to do it. Like whereas big act is at least like everything 
is up right away. Yeah. Um, but like I said, because I just have to put stuff in manually myself. Like, again, the tax store has gotten busier, I think, more so because everyone's sitting at home right now or their minds are just buying things for the horses, which yep. is you know, for me. Yeah. Um, numbers have gone up drastically. <laughs> like, obviously, when I first started, um, it would be like it shows like how many views you have a month where it's like, okay, like it was like 10 views a month. Yeah. It's like never going to take off. And now it's like 50 views a day. Nice. And so that's within like the first year. So I think like it's not huge, but it's definitely obviously an increase from what it was. So yeah. um, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, no, and it's something to stick with because it does take a long time for those things to start rolling. And yeah, it takes about five years for any business to kind of be profitable and yeah all that so it's all good my costs are pretty low with that since again it's pretty much just the website yeah uh, I can't complain about that no that's awesome um is there anything that you run into as like a rider or just a person being in the horse industry that has kind of set you back or challenged you or made you kind of question what you're doing there like I know that everybody has a little bit of a story or kind of an experience that maybe just like stopped them for a moment um so I wondered uh, not to put you on the spot but if you have anything that jumps into your mind yeah I mean like I guess there's um there's probably quite a few things um so one of my like my my big thing for like my business turning as far as like being 17 and kind of starting that slowly um, was I lost a friend that was very close to me and I guess it was kind of just a very good mental distraction for me. Um, so that was kind of one big thing that I, I faced and was like, okay, don't want to part completely like with said horses and we'll go this route to kind of start and we'll see how it goes. Um, and then there was a lot like within the first couple of years, again, so I was mostly doing it myself, like majority of trainers, I would say prefer to obviously do a sale versus a lease. Um, commissions are higher, mm-hmm. obviously, if you're selling something and then you don't have the continual problem of like, if it comes back, do we have to do it again? Yada, yada, yada. So majority of my trainers have always kind of said to like sell it, but wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, so I guess that was a bit of a, a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> that I chose to take into my own hands. Um, I would say... I don't want to sound awful saying this, but uh, like I just find like a lot of the horse industry people, especially like when you're younger, can get very catty. Um, which I think I think it's awful. It's it's really really sad. But you see that I feel like in any industry, and like if you're on social media and stuff, you see like a lot of pages more being like women equality, like be there for each other and like that kind of stuff. And I, I wish that was kind of more of a thing yeah. in this sport. Um, so that of course gets to anyone. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then I would say like specific trainers. Um, I feel like any, any person can say they've had bad experiences with certain trainers. Obviously they have good ones too. It just kind of depends on how long you put out with it. Um, I have had a trainer that I almost quit riding because yeah. of how negative it was getting. Um, and yeah, so, so like there, I would say there's a bunch of different things. I think it's pretty common for anyone to feel or go through those certain aspects. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah. I guess those would be my things. No, that's good. It's, it's everything that you said is entirely relatable to all of the people in the sport because we all deal with that kind of stuff. It's funny too, like doing these podcasts, how many people bring up kind of the pushback 
that they get as young aspiring writers or young aspiring professionals rather than kind of the mentorship that comes with that because it seems to be lacking um oh yeah there's a lot that's that's actually a very good one I've, I've had quite a few trainers um I would say over like the last decade like I wouldn't say obviously I was going professional at like 13 or anything ridiculous no. that, that is ridiculous but um yeah just a lot of them trying to keep you in their bubble per se um I did have one coach that was really good that was always like go to as many clinics as you can um like when I did go down to Florida that trainer that I had at home was like sit by the ring listen to the professionals try and pick up whatever information you can and I thought that was uh really important that's kind of something that's always stuck with me yeah uh, was to kind of just take in as much information. Cause I, like, I strongly believe, um, and I hope like when I do eventually get to the point of training people that I will continue going down the route of, uh, living by this, I guess is like not to necessarily be possessive. I feel like it's more Canadian thing. Okay. Like watching like how the trainers down the States interact. I'm sure it's a thing there too, but because they're so spread out, it doesn't seem to be, as big of a concern, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I think everyone has had different experiences, right? Um, and gets to experience those with different people, different like different trainers, different riders. Um, so certain things can work for certain horses, certain riders, right? And you may be able to apply that down the road on different horses with different people, et cetera, et cetera. So I think... Um, I think that's something that should be encouraged more. Yeah. And especially to the uh, the younger riders, like it would be nice if more trainers kind of could see like what type of platform they could give and what their experience. Um, and if they're a little more open to, I feel like that would like, again, my trainer that told me that like, I have the utmost respect for him. Like that, that was a big thing and it allowed me to expand my knowledge. And I feel like, uh, especially in the world of horses or really anything you need to constantly be learning yeah. new things or like you can obviously look at old things um, to see how I guess to solve different problems yeah um, but realistically like we all need to work together kind of to, to, to sort the stuff out right like yeah I, I don't think it's really fair for one trainer to block someone off that's like eventually they end up leaving because they're not getting, yeah information I assume as well encourage yeah and we have I mean like uh the conversations that come up around this that once it kind of comes up is insane because I think everybody knows that this is kind of a thing but they don't really want to talk about it and it definitely um you know has been my experience that some trainers are um they feel possessive or they feel threatened by other trainers instead of what would attract me as a client or anybody that I know is someone that would be, you know, open to, you know, addressing things and knowing their own limitations um, so that people can grow because how are you going to, you know, grow as a person if you're not going to accept everybody else's, you know, opinions and advice. And it's crazy how um, like set in stone this is in the horse industry. It's very, yeah. Like it, it, I don't even like I can't even like get a word out for it it's just it's insane that um in a form of learning like I don't know if maybe it's just in general like in sports yeah uh that more people in trainers uh positions should 
potentially take courses on on stuff like this. Like mm-hmm. it's not a matter of like possessiveness because at the end of the day, in any form of like relationship, business relationship, training, anything, possessiveness just does not keep people around. <laughs> no, not at all. And um, you know, and then that shows your lack of confidence in your own knowledge, right? So yeah. I'd be really interested to like have you back in you know, the winter and see how your experience has gone thus far as a real professional. But, um, I, yeah, I'd be really interested to hear. I mean, it's, it's a hard knock kind of world out there in the horse industry for young professionals, but, um, I, you know, I'm really interested to see what you're going to do. And I loved chatting with you about you and all your horses. I know that lots of people would be interested in what you do. Um, do you have any, uh, anything else that you like, I think we kind of covered everything essentially um, at this point, you know, you're looking to hopefully get your own, is that, are you looking to lease a place hopefully then in the fall maybe? Is that what you're looking to do? Yeah. I think that will be my plan short term. Like we've spoke, like my dad and I uh, have spoken, like we have a hundred acres on our, our home farm here. Um, so there's lots of area to build. Yeah. Kind of re- barn and like have the paddock space and all that stuff um so we're kind of just trying to figure out that's where you want to go um obviously because of like cost to put up an arena by the time you like the footing and like all that stuff you're probably like even like at a basic indoor i would say around five six hundred thousand dollars so it's it's a long-term thing to like consider of course right um and then in the area that we're in uh like there's subdivisions kind of getting closer and closer to us and stuff. So with property taxes and stuff, again, thinking long-term, we're like, is this kind of going to be a place where we end up staying? Um, so with all that into consideration, like we've been contemplating potentially looking at uh, purchasing another facility, maybe closer to the States or in the States. Um, that would obviously be further down the road, like five, yeah. 10 year uh, so for right now, I think my plan is essentially just going to be renting. <laughs> yeah, but that's so that's so exciting, and it's awesome that your parents are so supportive because um, you can kind of if you you know start this and let it be leasing or renting a place, and it you know you can actually turn a profit and make it work, and it's something you want to do. Then you have that opportunity, which is so cool. That's exciting. Um, yeah, my is a very very business oriented. He has multiple businesses, so he's very. Um, very, very good. Like he's kind of like always been kind of guiding us that path. Like since we were kids, like, you know, having like professional appearance, um, and like with how we present ourselves and how we think, I would say like, I made a joke the other day, like that my brain essentially just never stops. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, it'd be nice one day if it did. I'm like, well, you kind of trained us to like have an answer for literally everything. Like yeah. there's always a way to make something work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've been very lucky, I guess, to have him kind of shape us into, into that role, I guess. That's something else that I wanted to ask you when we were talking about the shows was, um, so like, do you feel like you're an outspoken type of person and maybe like the connections that you've built at like the shows, for instance, like I find that I'm slowly starting to like be able to go up and talk to strangers, but I know a lot of course people are more introverted than extroverted, but how has that been like for you in terms of networking and building up relationships with people in the industry? Does that happen at the shows? And are you the person that kind of initiates that conversation? 
Uh, I would say I'm more introverted. I definitely am like at home and stuff, but I've been very good. Again, like I'll go back to meals. Um, a lot of the girls there that like were there when I was riding, a lot of them are still there. Um, they're so much fun. And they, like I came from, well, like before that, I came from a, a pretty intense program, I would say, where I didn't totally socialize with too, too many people. And I kind of just like kept to myself. Yeah. Um, and then... They were like, who's the weird girl that like won't talk to anyone? Like, and kind of just like joking around, just made it really fun. And like, yeah, essentially just made training and all of that fun. Like, you made a mistake. It's like, I'm very hard on myself. Um, so, like, if I would make a mistake and stuff like that, kind of just like make a joke out of it. So, um, one of my friends, Lainey, like, she's very, she's very, very like outgoing and bubbly. Um, so like we're very very close um and she would always go to like shows like ohio and stuff like that too so just kind of like from her experience and like showing out in the states and stuff like that she knows a lot of people and so she like would very easily be like throw me into like the conversation and stuff like that and then i had no problem talking with people if anything i kind of ramble on um but yeah i would say uh, i'm not the initiator yeah yeah (laughs) no it's so interesting to know because i I feel like sh- a lot of shows are like a bunch of females that aren't initiators and then they're like, oh, that girl looks like she's mad at me. And then the other one's like, oh, she looks like a bitch. And it's like, but actually, if we just talk to each other, you know, we would get along. But it's it's interesting. I mean, it's one of my own personal goals to try to, to just initiate conversation with people like that. But um, but anyways, I yeah, so people can find one click tack on the website. That's your website for the used high-end tack and then you have a new one that's the one click equine which is like the classifieds for the horses and your own website which is Avanta Venture Stables is that right yeah okay awesome um so you guys can find her there and thank you so much for doing this this was awesome no problem thank you